Hey, it's John, and I hope you are doing well wherever you are at and whatever life has brought your way. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of The Bible in Life. I'm so glad that uh, we have this time together each week to look at the scriptures together, to reflect on who God is and who God has called us to be and what it means to walk with Him. So thanks for joining me again on this episode. A couple announcements real quick before we jump into the material for this episode. In two weeks, which is September 14th, I'm going to have a very special guest on the podcast. If you're a fan of the Bible Project, uh, then you know the voice of Tim Mackey. Well, Tim Mackey is going to be my guest on the Bible Pro- or on the Bible in Life here in just a couple of weeks, and so uh, be looking forward to that. And if you have friends or family members who are fans of the Bible and Project, who have watched their videos, who have used the Read Scripture app that includes their videos, then share the podcast with them. Let them know that uh, Tim's going to be on the podcast, and I'm just going to be interviewing him, talking about really our heart and passion for digital Bible teaching resources, uh, the behind the scenes story of the Bible Project and some of that. So be looking forward to that. That's in two weeks on September 14th. And then another announcement, just wanted to give you a heads up. If you're looking for uh, some help understanding the Bible, getting a grip really on the Bible, I've got a short Bible intro course on my website called just that, Get a Grip on the Bible. I'll put a link to it down in the notes below under Bible Intro, and it's super affordable and super jam-packed with helpful information for how to read and understand the Bible for the big story of the Bible. So if you're looking for some help understanding the Bible, then check out the Bible intro course on my website. Again, the link for that is down in the notes below. All right, this uh, summer, these past few months, we have been walking through really a power-packed section of the New Testament, uh, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, and we have been wrestling with the paragraphs out of this section as we think through, really, how do we live in such a way that we can actually please God? And that's really the heart of this section. Well, uh, in this episode, we come to sort of the, the grand finale in a lot of ways, kind of the climactic section of that. I, I We won't totally wrap it up on this episode, uh, but we'll begin the beginning of the end, so to speak, on this episode in, in Romans chapter 8. And so I want to do something a little bit different. And before I jump right into Romans chapter 8, I just want to kind of I want to review the preceding context so you can hear this this paragraph in really in that context because this paragraph Romans 8 1 through 9 is such a fantastic such a beautiful really climactic resolution to everything Paul's been saying that if we have forgotten or if we haven't heard what he's been saying, we miss the beauty and the power of Romans 8, 1 through 9. And so let me just go back and review just a little bit of the context so that I can I can really set this up for us well, all right? And in Romans chapter 5, the whole section that we've been looking at begins really at the end of Romans chapter 5. Uh, and let me just read you a, a little bit. What Paul is doing at the end of Romans 5 is he's contrasting Adam and the in-Adam life with Christ and the in-Christ life. And here's what the effects of Adam's choices were, and here is uh, the effects of Jesus's work. And that's really what he's doing at the end of Romans chapter 5. Well, in that context, describing what Adam unleashed into the world, he says this. He says, Um, For if by the transgression of the one many died, meaning Adam, well, much more did the grace of God and the gift of grace by the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. 
Um, and then he says this, The gift is not, not like that which came through the one who sinned, Adam. For the, on the one hand, judgment arose from the transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. A little bit later at the end of chapter 5, he says, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. And I hope what you hear in that is the emphasis on uh, condemnation and really death and judgment that entered into the world through Adam's sin, as well as the contrast of what Jesus brought, all right? Well, as we then turn the page into Romans chapter 6, we looked at that, uh, I don't know, two months ago maybe? And Romans chapter 6, Paul basically, uh, in that second full paragraph, Paul says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And and so that's his appeal to us. You've died in Christ, so don't let sin reign in your mortal body. How do we do that, Paul? How do we do that? And, and then as you move into, into chapter 7, what you get in chapter 7 is really Paul, as we looked at in our very last episode, Paul really wrestles with, well, it's not going to happen by the law. If it says don't let sin reign in your mortal body, guess what? The Torah isn't going to cut it. And he gives this really woeful, painful sorrowful lament about how the law is a good thing, but it couldn't make people good because sin had such an ironclad grip on human nature that the law was powerless and weak in order to set us free from sin and from death. And he gives this real almost heartfelt cry at the end of that section where he says in 724, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And he anticipates the answer to the question in verse 25 by saying, well, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in this context, this really painful context, where he's he said we've been set free from the power of sin. He's told us not to let sin reign in our body, and yet he said the law couldn't cut it. And so who's going to set me free from that? Well, Jesus is. And there's where chapter 8 picks up with all of this context in mind. Let me just read to you what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Listen to the glory and the beauty and the wonder of this really culmination of everything Paul has said in this section. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? The, Adam brought condemnation and judgment and death and sin into the world. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the Torah as God's initial covenant couldn't do, weak as it was, what that law couldn't do, God did through Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do, Weak as it was because of human flesh, God did. He did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. Instead of condemning you and instead of condemning me, God condemned sin. He, he carried out the just penalty on sin in the person of Jesus. And he did it, verse 4 says, so that, listen to this, that the, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
Man, what a glorious, wonderful culmination of everything that he has said in the preceding chapters. And notice where that ends in verse 4. He did this so that the requirement of the law, and scholars debate exactly what, what is meant by the requirement of the law, and there's uh, probably a couple options, right? Like the, the justice that the law required. But in context with where he's going, I think the best option is the requirement of the law is more the sense of, the holiness that the law required. And he's going to go on and talk about our life, right? Like those who walk according to the Spirit, this is our life. And now we can live out the very kind of life, the very holiness the law required. And, and God did all this work in Jesus and through the Spirit so that we could be the kind of people he created us to be. And then he goes on and says this in verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh, those who are of the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. The things they allow to occupy their minds are the things of the flesh. And by flesh, remember, in context of all of Paul's writings, the flesh means our fallen humanness, right? Fallen culture around us, the things that fallen humanity longs for, looks for, lusts after, wants, the strategies that fallen humanity uses to go about doing life. Well, those who are of the flesh, their mind is occupied with those very things, the goals, the ambitions, the strategies, um, the life aims and approaches to life that Fallen human culture and the world around us says are so important or says the, the way it ought to be and the common sense of fallen humanity and that's how it should be done. Well, those who are of the flesh, their mind is focused on those things, is set on those things, is occupied with those things. But not so us who are in Christ, those who are according to the Spirit, those who are of the Spirit, well, their mind is set on the things of the Spirit. Their mind is full of the Spirit's things, the Spirit's goals, the Spirit's passions, the Spirit's desires, the Spirit's understanding of what's important and what's true and what's beautiful and what's good. They allow those things to occupy their mind and to fill their mind. And then he tells us, the really almost you know, as a warning, the consequences of all this, for the mind set on the flesh is death. In other words, if, if we just approach life the way everyone else does that's outside of Christ, the way fallen humanity approaches life, if we pursue the things that fallen humanity pursues, the outcome of that is death. It's just, that, that, that's a dead-end street. It doesn't lead anywhere. But the mind, listen to this, verse 6, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Do you want your life to be marked by life and peace? Do you want your days to be characterized by life and peace? In the midst of the tumult that often is life, right? In the twists and the turns you can't predict and you can't control. Do you want to know life? Like abundant life, overflowing life. Do you want to know shalom? peace. Paul being a good Hebrew, he, shalom was, man, just one of those words that kind of saturated the Jewish consciousness. And shalom doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. It means the presence of wellness, the presence of wholeness. And Paul is saying here that when our mind is full of the Spirit and the Spirit's things, then shalom 
governs our mind and governs our life and becomes the thing that saturates and characterizes our days, regardless of what the world throws at us, regardless of what comes our way. So do you want to know life and peace? Well, fill your mind with the things of the Spirit. And then he then he gives the reason in verse 7. He says, because the mindset on the flesh, the reason it's death, is because the mindset on the flesh, it's hostile towards God. It doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not able to do so. And he explained all that at the end of chapter 7. The, the mindset on the flesh, man, it, it can know God's law. It can even love God's law. It just can't do God's law, right? But... Um, uh, those who are the Spirit are different, right? So the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It doesn't subject itself to the law of God. It's not able to do so. In fact, he says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They, he described that in chapter 7. They, they want to. They can even long to, like so many of the Jews did. But they had that struggle with the evil impulse we talked about in our last episode they can't fully please God. But then he, he, he says this oh, beautiful piece of good news in verse 9. Listen to what he says. However, you, Christian, you, follower of Jesus, you who have put your confidence in Jesus, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Did you hear how certain and stark that is? There's only two options. There's only two kinds of people on planet Earth. Those who are of the flesh and those who are of the spirit. Those are the only categories in this context for what Paul is getting at. And if you're in Christ, then you're in the spirit. You're of the spirit because the spirit of Christ himself, the spirit of God himself dwells in you. And that's the mark that we are God's people. That's the mark that we belong to him. What good news this section is. How can we be set free from the sin and the death and the condemnation that Adam unleashed in the world and that we've all been infected with? How can we be free of that? Walk by the Spirit. How can it be that we don't let sin reign in our mortal bodies, that we should obey uh, its desires? How can we live beyond the grip of sinful lusts and sinful desires. Walk by the Spirit and fill your mind with the things of the Spirit. How can we be set free from this body of death that couldn't even keep God's good law even though it loved and wanted to? Fill your mind with the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. That's the grand answer to the problem of sin and death in this world. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And so, really the question for you and for me is very much that that we need to be people who live by the Spirit. How do we do that? How do we, how do we set our mind on the things of the Spirit? How do we walk by the Spirit? And you know, when I was a young Christian and I was in a teenager and I was going to youth group, this idea would occasionally come up that we needed to walk by the Spirit. And I remember this one particular lesson in, in youth group where this subject came up and the analogy was given like the Spirit is the power source of the Christian life. It's the thing that enables you to live the Christian life. And so you've got to plug into the power of the Spirit. And that was the imagery they used is plugging into the power of the Spirit. And it just didn't work for me. And maybe that worked for others. Maybe it works for you. It didn't work for me. I'm like, okay, but that's, that's an analogy. And I'm not... Uh, I'm not a plug, and I don't know where the outlet is, and how in the world do I plug into the power of the Spirit? And 
I just really wrestled with that, and, and I've found a lot of people really struggle with that. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? And so at the risk of oversimplification, I have I have taught it this way for years as a way just to try to be helpful. I know it's it's challenging, and I know maybe there's more to it than this, all right? So at the risk of oversimplification, let me tell you the two key components of walking by the Spirit, all right? And I'm going to start with the primary one, the big one, the one that really is the essence of walking by the Spirit. And then the second one is like sort of the means how we live that out, all right? So here's the big one. Here's the essence of the thing. Walking by the Spirit is fundamentally living in attachment. Catch that word. Attachment to God by His Spirit. And so how do you walk by the Spirit? You live your life attached to God relationally, deeply, Jesus used several bits of imagery for this, like John 15 and the, and the vine and the branches. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, he bears much fruit. That's John 15. That's attachment, attachment, abiding. And so that's the fundamental thing. If we're going to walk by the Spirit, we need to live our life in deep attachment to God by virtue of his spirit who has come to live with us and in us. And, and so he's right here with us. And so we live attached to him by the spirit. Now, the second component, another A word, is activities, right? And what that means is this. We arrange our life through activities to cultivate that attachment. In any relationship, right, it's going to happen intentionally through activities that foster or cultivate the attachment. And so we need to live in deep attachment to God by His Spirit through the activities we put in place in our life. And those are the two components for how we walk by the Spirit. And so uh, in your life, in, in your whole life, not just the spiritual activities of your life, in your whole life, how could you put certain things in place in your life that would help foster a deep connection and a deep attachment to God. I actually shared a video on my Facebook page the other day. If you're not following me on Facebook and Instagram, you might want to uh, <clears throat> follow me there because I post some resources and some ideas occasionally that might be helpful to you. So uh, a week or so ago, I posted a video, shared a video from Peter Scazzaro on my Facebook page where he was just sharing... Um, why we need more than just a quiet time in the morning, particularly those who are engaged in leadership and who have very intense, full lives, that a quiet time in the morning is nice, but it's not enough to cultivate a deep attachment to God. And so he talked about the importance of just stopping multiple times a day to reconnect with and remember God. And he gave some great examples on there. And I first came across Scazzaro's idea probably 10, 12 years ago, um, when when Peter Scazzaro actually spoke at a, a conference thing I was at. And so I bought his book. I started reading his book. And I've tried for over a decade to put into practice what he's saying. Haven't always succeeded. I've, ha I've, I've been somewhat at times inconsistent with it. But man, I value what he's getting at. And, and so since I saw that video, I began to kind of recommit to um, stopping throughout the day. So my morning, you know, I have my prayer and Bible reading time in my morning, and then I try to stop um, midday and late afternoon and then before bed and just spend some intentional time slowing down, maybe meditating on a psalm or another passage of Scripture just for a few minutes, 
remembering God and reconnecting with God as an activity to cultivate that attachment. And that's one example. And we need all of that we can get. Um, some of the classic spiritual disciplines can help us do this. Memorizing scripture, fasting, uh, worship, worshiping on our own, worshiping with other believers, fellowship with believers who uh, we can have spiritual conversations with and who can encourage us in our own walk with God. These kinds of activities can help foster our attachment to God. If they become a checklist where we just do them to check them off our spiritual to-do list, they lose all beautiful power. But when they're, when they're part of a sincere heart that's seeking after God and wants to live in deep connection with Him, man, they become so, so helpful. So we need to be people who walk by the Spirit. That is the basic Christian command. And if we're going to please God, and if we're going to know life and peace, it's going to happen because we live lives that are deeply attached to God through the activities of our life. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And, and Paul promises in Romans chapter 8 that the mindset on the Spirit, that those who walk by the Spirit, they will know life and peace. This, my friends, is the secret to a life that's marked by deep, deep, abundant life and shalom, wholeness, and blessedness that can come only from a deep connection to God. Hey, I hope that's helpful to you. I know this idea has been super helpful to me. If you've got questions on this, man, feel free to message me through Instagram, shoot me a message through Facebook, email me, and just yeah, let me know how this encouraged you. Let me know maybe questions you have about it. Let me know how you're trying to walk by the Spirit. I would love to hear from you and hear your encouragement, your thoughts, and maybe ideas you have for how you try to walk by the Spirit might help me do better at walking by the Spirit as well. All right, thanks to each and every one of you who, you know, is a part of the Bible and Life family. Um, as I say mo most of the time at the end of this show, this is a li listener-supported podcast, and there are a number of people who, in various ways and various degrees, are able to support this show financially, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. We're nowhere near what we need to make a living. We're, we're really less than 25% of what we need to make a living, but that 25%, uh, a huge part of it comes from people just like you who give $5, $10, $20, $40, $50 a month just to say, man, I value this Bible teaching and it's been so helpful to me and I want to make sure it continues to grow and expand to a number of people. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart to your generosity. If you haven't jumped on but you're like, man, I would love to support the show, I'll put the links down below. You can do it in two ways. You can see those down below in the notes below with the links there. And So thanks for your generous support. Thanks for sharing the Bible and Life with friends and family on your social media. So continue to spread the word. In the last month, the listenership of the Bible and Life grew by about 100 people, and that's, that's just awesome. So thanks for spreading the word. Continue to do that. God bless you guys. May you go in peace and in life in the power of the Spirit, and we'll talk again soon.